is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about connections, international business, supply chains and globalization and the effects these have had on our life, our work and our travel over recent times. In today's program, I am joined again by my colleagues from the Supply Chain Special Interest Group of the Society for the Advancement of Consulting to discuss the issue of how and why so many businesses are overlooking the fundamentals of business as they emerge from a period of turbulence characterized by pandemic war and supply chain realignments into an uncertain future. So joining me today, we have Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, President and CEO of Trans Leadership in Colorado Springs, the state of Colorado in the US. Welcome, Karen. Yeah, glad to be here. Antonio Zrilic, President of Logico Supply Chain Consultants in Zagreb, Croatia. Welcome, Antonio. Uh, hello. And Lisa Anderson, President of LMA Consulting, joining us from the Los Angeles metro area, also in the US. Welcome, Lisa. Glad to be here. So, guys, as I mentioned in 2023, we have a situation where businesses are emerging from a period of tumult since been going on since 2020, basically, where we've had a pandemic war in Europe with Russia and Ukraine, the threat of war over Taiwan in Asia, ongoing global supply chain realignments, inflation, skill shortages, and on and on and on it goes. So now as we head into a somewhat uncertain future, it seems, at least for now, that some of the, some of the worst prognostications for a recession and stagnation have not actually so far materialized. But some businesses, nonetheless, they, they appear to be a little disoriented, maybe, and they're maybe losing sight of some of the basics and the fundamentals of good business practice. Um, and they may be overlooking many of the benefits that can be achieved by just doing these basic things well and doing them consistently, rather than looking for silver bullets to propel themselves into some sort of golden future. So that's what we're going to be talking about in, in this episode of Interlinks. And as well, towards the end, we might take stock of some of the standout business or supply chain developments across the world over the last month or so. So Lisa, um, starting with you, what kind of um, fundamentals of business are you seeing businesses overlooking? So what mistakes are they making and what kind of benefits could they achieve from maybe getting back to basics? Well, hey, one of the one of the basics is uh, inventory management. So, and that that can be inventory accuracy. I'm seeing issues with that, but I also mean inventory levels. So, how do you right size your inventory? So, have the right inventory in the right place at the right time, which is tricky when you don't know what's going to happen uh, with uh, sales volumes changing and the volatility we've been experiencing. But it's uh, very doable if you implement several of the basic best practices and um, uh, planning and inventory uh, type of uh, uh, processes. So I, I see several uh, clients that are um, realizing that they need to um, be better in better control, especially as interest rates have gone up pretty pretty dramatically. Uh, especially in the U.S., uh, and I work with some global companies, but either way, their interest rates are going up, and that means that they're paying more interest on you know unnecessary inventory throughout their systems. So that's uh, certainly one uh, one key area. Uh, another area might be uh, you know uh, their ability to um, 
utilize already existing assets. So like their ERP system and related technologies, they um, are perhaps looking for the uh, latest and greatest uh, bell or whistle, uh, but there's many uh, you know, tried and true um, functionality that exists uh, in almost every client that they can you know, automate, uh, digitize, better, you know, uh, provide quicker service, uh, be more efficient, those types of things. So there's lots of uh, improvement opportunities if they mm-hmm. utilize their systems. So this, this issue of interest rates related to inventory, this is a concern about the cost of working capital. Is that where that's Correct. Goes? For sure. Definitely. And I'm seeing that across the board. I had some clients worried about it, like very much up front. Um, perhaps because they had less cash. I don't know, but they were, they were definitely worried about it up front and they um, put a, but you know, the, the good news is that I'm working with some, you know, proactive clients. So they were smart about how they did it. So they were still willing to hold inventory under the right conditions, but they were definitely all over making sure that they were keeping the right inventory, but that also leads back to making sure that they were looking at their demand plan or their sales forecast and, you know, being, you know, really zeroing in on what they really thought was going to happen because they didn't want to bring in the wrong uh, materials unnecessarily um, to stock them and, you know, have to pay interest. Yeah. This thing as well of leveraging existing investments and infrastructure is interesting because I, I see well, you know, the area that I'm working in is what is what I see, but on the ERP end of things where people have uh, warehouse management uh, modules in their in their ERP and there's valuable functionality and they're just not using them and therefore they're not gaining the efficiencies that they could otherwise. And some of it is lack of awareness and some of it's laziness to just don't have the wherewithal and the structure or the impetus yeah. to get their data right so that they can use the WMS to drive them rather than be reporting back to the system the whole time. Is that the kind of thing you're referring to there? Uh, yeah, for sure. Like I'm working with a client uh, recently that uh, is implementing scheduling, production planning and scheduling type of uh, process and utilizing a um Largely existing functionality, we made a few upgrades, uh, but it's, you know, it really is the fundamentals uh, and it's not rocket science, but, you know, they don't really know, um, you know, they've been executing, jumping through hoops, doing whatever customers need for so long that they don't really realize, or they may have lost skills that realize, like, how do I actually do this um, in the way that's you know, uh, more of a proactive approach. And it seems like it's going to be more work um, when they when they look at it, but it's it's not. It's, there's a, always a bubble up front though, as yeah. you implement a new process. And so we're actually in that bubble right now and they're um, gaining comfort uh, uh, as they work through the bubble, but the results are already showing, you know, their their output is, is increasing significantly. Um, and so soon they're going to put you know, put all the pieces together. I mean, the executives have, but the people doing the jobs like have to like see it in place. They have to understand what order to do things in. I mean, it's it's the basics, but it's also like they just need to understand so that they can be successful. So it's working with them so that they can feel 
um, engaged in a part of the process and like they have a they have a uh, a positive impact. Yeah, and uh, so Karen, then same uh, question to you. Essentially, what fundamentals of business are you seeing businesses uh, overlook in the general sense that they ought to be taking advantage of? Yes, and I'm going to be talking mostly, Patrick, about manufacturing clients, which includes commercial construction. And I really am working with them about leadership fundamentals that can really move the needle and make an impact in the business. And there are three things I'm really seeing at a high level right now. One is what I'm going to call training. Two is what I'll call culture transfer. And then third is really paying attention to what the customer needs right now, because that's where the next opportunity is. So if I dial back to training, and it's kind of dovetails with what Lisa was saying as well, a lot of my clients are legacy clients. They've been around for a long time. They haven't had a lot of turnover in their businesses. And the last few years have been very turbulent, very volatile, and the speed of business has been very fast. So they have had the turnover and they don't seem to know that when you get new people, an engineer is not an engineer or a project manager is not a project manager. You have to train that person for your context. And so I think that that is something that people don't realize, they don't recognize, they don't do efficiently and effectively. And as a result, they're losing time and money because of the rework that has to be done because of the absence of the proper training. And this even applies to what Lisa was saying about whether you're using existing technology, an ERP system or whatever, having training for all the personnel on that. Now, I'm really also talking about just basic jobs. You know, when you come in as a driver or you come in as a project manager, or whatever it is into this new business, being trained specifically, not just expecting the person to get all of the training by just doing the job. So much will be missed, and especially in really technical areas. So that's that's the number one thing that I'm seeing, Patrick. Number two, I would say, when I talk about culture transfer, what I really mean is that culture is all about how you do things here at this company and in this business. And what people don't recognize is that if someone's coming from a different company, a different industry, the way they did things there it's not the same as how you're doing things in your current business. And it's the stories in your business that say, here's us at our best. Here's, here's how we handle challenges and difficulties. The, here's our values at work when you share those stories. And the employee says, oh, that's interesting because in my last company, we would have fired that client in the same situation. And I think a lot of times companies assume that people are coming with the same thought processes and the same values when in fact they're not. So they have to do intentional work about transferring the culture to the new employees who are coming in. And then that third part I'm saying, your best opportunity in terms of adding value to the client is really to pay attention to in this market, what do they most need a pain point that they have that you have expertise in. So for a lot of my clients, for example, since their legacy clients been around for a long time, they have deep knowledge. They have industry expertise. They've seen how the markets fluctuate 
over the years. And some of their clients that they're working with have new people who don't have that history. So they can do a better job of educating the client. They can do a much better job of anticipating issues that may come down the pike and then helping the client to plan for that so that it's in the best interest of the client. And that's also very profitable and valuable to my clients if they leverage that right, because people are willing to pay for what adds value to them if it's important to them. Excellent. Many thanks, Karen. Uh, Antonio, uh, same to you. So what fundamentals of business are you seeing um, clients or businesses out there overlook in general? So uh, first, uh, what fundamentals I, I see uh, in general uh, in, in business? And uh, I, I can uh, 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 list them as, uh, as strategy, uh, processes, uh, competencies, and resources. Uh, about competencies, Karen uh, uh, talked about trainings and and so and about people and resources. Also, inventory is one of the resource or assets uh, of the company. Uh, so, uh, in in strategy, for example, uh, what what I uh, see actually that lacks in in these uh, fundamentals is simplicity. So, uh, uh, for example, in strategy. A lot of companies uh, uh, lost the the view of of three fundamental uh, uh, elements of the strategy: growth, uh, uh, profit, profitability, and the cash flow. And uh, uh, and they forget um, a lot of them forget that uh, uh, company don't uh, uh, go uh, uh, bankrupt if they are not uh, profitable, but they they go uh, broke. Uh, if they are, they don't have cash enough to pay suppliers and uh, and uh, uh, and people, and uh, uh, that's that's a, a problem uh, in in uh, uh, reference to to what Lisa uh, said. Uh, for example, uh, the inventory in inventory and and cash flow is directly connected because if you have too many inventories. Uh, you uh, you don't have cash, and and that's uh, one of the uh, fundamentals that uh, companies uh, uh, like to forget in uh, in a pursuit to to grow, and that that is that is uh, uh, one one thing. Another thing that I can um, uh, emphasize here is a simplicity, uh, generally and uh, especially in processes. So. so um uh, supply chain uh, we we talked about supply chain supply chain is uh, very uh, it, it has grown in in very complex uh and uh, uh animal we can <laughs> call it and we we uh, we, uh, we saw in uh, last two or three years what what uh, happened actually this complexity of the supply chain was uh, 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 evident uh, uh, a, a, a long time, and uh, the tipping point actually uh, 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 has been reached uh, in in this uh, pandemic and and these uh, disruptions that uh, that uh, followed the pandemic and so on. So so um, uh, this is one uh, thing I, I I won't go deep in in this uh, supply chain complexity, but uh, simplicity as a as a, a goal uh, I, and as a fundamental i i think it uh, should be uh, one of the main uh, goals of the companies 
and um, uh, well, uh, maybe we can later on uh, uh, discuss a little more in detail if if we have uh, time. Okay, so we'll we'll circle back to Lisa and say to you, Lisa, if you were asked what are say one maybe one maybe maybe two top fundamentals that mm-hmm. businesses definitely should be looking at now what what would they be what would you pick to to focus on uh i would say that uh well they need to uh, look at their planning processes so starting with uh demand planning understanding what they see what what they see coming getting in touch with their customers understanding what's really happening so they can get a better feel for what's coming down the pipe um, in reality, not just, you know, lots of orders have been uh, like, I don't know, let's just say customers have built up um, orders because they were so fair, afraid of not getting what they needed. Now they're like canceling them. So what what's real out there? So that that uh, takes some work. Um, and if you, maybe you have correct orders, the question is the timing. So, you know, at least, you know, staying up to speed on what that is. So that's demand planning. And then, you know, going, taking it from there, you have to look at your uh, production planning, as I was talking about earlier, so that you can um, most efficiently run your operations um, and meet your customer needs. Uh, There's distribution planning. If you send products uh, to multiple sites uh, throughout the world or throughout, you know, your country, whichever, Um, there's uh, material planning so that you have the right materials coming at the right time. So I would say like, look at all of the planning uh, basics. Then to your point uh, earlier, uh, Patrick, there's also warehouse planning, transportation planning. I mean, transportation planning is a big thing because there's, you know, what kind of, uh, uh, you know, are you using trucks, uh, air freight? So what are you doing? And what is the, optimal routes for your products is this really what you should be doing today given you know what's happened changed in the world so you really need to be looking at you know all the different uh um you know the the planning fundamentals i would say is one uh one key uh key area to look at um and i guess really the other one because interest rates are going up you really do have to have i mean inventory planning is one of the planning um, realms, but I guess I'll call it out just because with the uh, idea that inventory is costing so much more than it was before, you really got to look at what you're doing. And beyond that, you know, even what are you doing overall? Are you really, or do you really want all your product coming like from overseas, let's say? Because think about it, that's like 13 weeks on the water. That's 13 weeks of inventory. Is this really what you want? Um, especially with something that's so volatile and not stable. Um, what are you What are you really doing? So inventory is not just a, uh, it's a fundamental, but it's also can lead to some strategic decisions. So, um, which I would say goes back to sales yeah. and operations plan. It's getting, it's getting wrapped up in the whole geopolitical thing, isn't it? The, it, the sustainability of inventory supply. It absolutely is. And if you, from all the experts that I talk to, um, people who work very closely with uh, Asian regions, uh, you you had better have a backup plan quickly. Yeah. 
<laughs> if you want to succeed. 93.9 Dublin South FM. And Karen, what would be your priority to, to focus on in terms of uh, fundamentals? Yes, for a lot of the clients that I work with, they're working in areas where margins are kind of thin. And so you really have to look at opportunities in the near term and also the long term. And in the near term, I think one of the places of opportunity is efficiencies in the manufacturing processes. And so when you think about what's going on in the manufacturing plant and you're really busy and the speed of business is fast, people often keep doing what they're doing and they don't stop to do the after action reviews and the reflections and to say, how could we do this better? What would work better? And if we're having to do rework, what's causing the rework and what changes can we introduce into the system here so that we're not seeing that same rework, which is costing us money and margins are thin. So I think that's the low hanging fruit. And I think Companies should focus on that for sure, because you can save some millions right there just to begin with. Secondly, and more importantly, is planning for the future, which means looking for those opportunities with the customers that I call the partnership opportunities. A lot of times, in, and particularly in manufacturing, some and when there are challenges, the customer is almost seen as the enemy. And in, with my clients, the customer usually holds the big cards. And so they're not naturally wired to come up with a win-win solution for you because they're in it to get the win for them. However, if you can identify those ways I mentioned earlier of adding value for the customer, it puts you a little bit more in a better bargaining and negotiating chair to really get the win-win. And that requires a proactive perspective. You can't do this on the back end when something's already not working or failing. You have to be on the front end of the curve anticipating what's coming down the pike and coming up with solutions such that the client knows and sees you care about their outcomes and you're protecting their best interests. So I think those two things together really make a difference in the future. The efficiencies you can get right now by stopping long enough to have somebody studying what's going on and how can we do this better. And then secondly, what are clients really going to need in the future? How can we partner better so that in our industry, we become distinctive and not the low cost leader. They want to pay more for our services because we really are adding value that they care about. Distinction to... Through the quality of the relationship, maybe, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I completely yeah. agree with Karen. I mean, she's absolutely right. <laughs> okay, and Antonio, same to you. What would your priority be? Well, I, as I said uh, earlier, um, I I think that uh, the 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 uh, main thing is uh, to simplify things uh, and uh, to to try to to see them as uh, as they are, uh, not too complex uh, in supply chain complexity or or the complexity uh, we should uh, go and try to to make uh, or to design models that uh, or supply chain models that could be uh, governed uh, as uh, as uh, very simple uh, things and then then go in in a real uh, real thing uh, as and uh, with uh, some scenario planning and what if analysis and so on another thing uh, that is uh, a very uh, uh, important and it's aligned with simplicity is uh, is focus. Um, it, there is a 
there is a, a simple uh, rule, uh, Pareto rule, uh, 80-20, that we all uh, are uh, familiar with, but uh, 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 very often... Uh, we ignore it, yeah. Yeah, companies ignore that, and, and then... Uh, they 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 build their uh, portfolio with with a lot of stuff and uh, with uh, also uh, customers and and uh, products and then they they don't see they don't see a, a, a tree because there is a wood uh, in front of them and so so this this is one uh, also uh, one very important thing uh, another thing is. Uh, um, uh, <clears throat> Uh, 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 Karen and, and uh, Lisa talked about uh, planning, and there is a one uh, also very simple thing in planning. I, I spoke with one uh, ten years ago with uh, with uh, one customer, and they they told me that they uh, they tried and tested uh, <clears throat> uh, very sophisticated uh, forecasting models uh, from IBM. It, it, there was big blue, and you know they they made. Uh, 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 very sophisticated uh, models for each uh, product group and so on. And then uh, they compare it with the simple uh, six-month uh, moving average um, uh, uh, model, and <laughs> it was very similar. So uh, sometimes we don't need very sophisticated uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, softwares and so on. Uh, we, we have to uh, uh, try something that we have uh, uh, on hand, and and then uh, we are we are better off than than with uh, uh, nothing. And so so there is no excuse. We we don't uh, we we can't uh, uh, afford some some uh, some uh, WMS or something uh, that uh, some other uh, equipment and so on. You can do it with with simple things. So uh, so I I think that I could. Uh, uh, end with uh, with one word that is i think for uh, i i actually heard it from a few of my uh, uh, customers uh, clients they they said they have a project that are named decomplexity so so uh, so they they actually saw this uh, this pattern and uh, and uh, they 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 went uh, uh, in that direction so uh, it, it is it is uh, uh, very important to to simplify things to decomplex uh, uh, portfolios and and so on. So I think this is uh... <laughs> well, what you said resonates with me. Just recently, I was with a client and we did an analysis on their SKU profile, and they had transacted through their distribution um, network about twelve thousand different SKU items in the course of the year. But when we looked at the profile was about 10% of them represented 90% of the of the of the throughput so it was quite an extreme uh, pareto mm -hmm. but there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of items that they had transacted only once or twice in the year mm -hmm. So you say to what? Why are you? Why are you even having this stuff? You know. <laughs> so it's very it's very true, and it's just ignored and overlooked often, and lost in the in the mix and the cut and thrust of the day to day. So um, as we as we come towards the end, um, and we might just have a, a, a round with, with all of us, because we're all in different parts of the world, of what's kind of grabbed our attention about what's going on, whether in just in business in general or in the supply chain uh, specifically. And uh, I'll go I'll go first myself. So I, I was listening to um, a podcast 
um, and Professor Ben Ansel, author of Why Politics Fails, um, he was talking about how, despite the best interests of politicians in <clears throat> countries all over the world, their work often appears to backfire uh, these days and produce oftentimes the exact opposite effects to the ones that were uh, desired. So it got me thinking about the same thing often happens in in business and in in um, supply chain and so on. And I got thinking about it and I started to think maybe what's going on is that as fields of expertise become uh, the, the, you know, they've tended to grow over the years. We're getting lots of specialists around the place. And these specialists tend to be people who know more and more about less and less. So they've got very deep knowledge in very in very narrow fields. So they're not really seeing the big picture on how the whole thing um, fixes together. So it, it occurred to me that what we really need and need more of urgently are more broad-based uh, people who can kind of sit above that and uh, set direction, make a strategy and understand the moral, the ethical and the political implications of what their businesses are doing. And we kind of see this in the whole chat GPT, um, artificial intelligence debate about, you know, where is this thing going? And you've got very specialist people who are kind of driving ahead and other people going, hang on a minute, where is where is this? Where is this going and what does it mean? And what are the implications? So that's something that kind of caught my attention over the last uh, number of weeks. What about what about yourselves, Lisa? We come back to you. Well, I mean, I think you're right uh, that there's going to be more need than than um, ever before for a uh, for somebody who can think cross functionally and broad um, and make some common sense decisions because there's uh, there there is there's a lack. Of, of that type of knowledge and a lack of uh, leadership in a lot of cases. But uh, let's see. The other thing that really is crossing my mind is, is that there is uh, just a more, uh, there's significant risk uh, going on between China, Taiwan, and um, there's all sorts of um, continued signs and signals that there's going to be problems ahead. So I don't know what, uh, What's, what's going, are, what's going on there? Here? What's going on there is what we uh, colloquially uh, refer to here in Ireland as throwing shapes. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of shape throwing going on. There's a lot of shape throwing going on. <laughs> well, and I mean, regardless of when they invade or if they invade, the thing is, is that we are far too dependent on uh, China for um, everyday needs. And certainly for critical supplies. So we have got to like get our act together, <laughs> I guess, across the world here and um, take control of our manufacturing. It doesn't mean we have to like bring it all to wherever we are. So like to Ireland, in your case, and, you know, to the States for, for us. But we have to, you know, we have got to figure out what we're doing and be in better control over the essential or critical supplies. Um before it's too late. I mean, once things once things blow up, it is not the time to yeah. be thinking about this. Yeah. And uh, Karen, what have you? Uh, what's grabbed your attention over the last month? I'm thinking about the power of what I'm going to call a secret weapon right now, which is this: 
I think in business, and as much as I've been focusing on the notion of training, which I think is critical, and also listening to customers, those two are really important. And yet the secret weapon is important too. And that is you can train and train and train all day. However, if you are not treating your workforce the way that you want them to treat the customer, it's probably not going to happen and it's not going to stick. So I think the opportunity for businesses today is to figure out how can we model in-house in our own operations with our own employees, our own teams, what can we do to treat them like the internal customers that they are so that they have a model and a feeling of what it looks like to go outside with the customer and to act like that. You can talk about it all day, but if they don't experience it and they don't see it at home, so to speak, meaning in the home office at work, they're not going to be able to do it when they go out and the customer is going to get treated the way you treat the employees. I think that's an important thing to remember. Good point. And uh, Antonio, what have you picked up on over the last month? Well, uh, as I uh, uh, was saying about uh, supply chain complexity and this uh, mo- design of, of uh, models, I think that uh, uh, and actually what, what uh, uh, occupied my, my mind uh, last uh, month uh, is uh, actually how, uh, and in, it, is, it resonates with, with what you uh, uh, said and, and Lisa and I hope it's not too late, Lisa. <laughs> so, so to, I hope so too. <laughs> to uh, to uh, design some some uh, scenarios uh, just in case, or some uh, uh, contingency uh, plans for uh, for different um, uh, uh, futures. So, so it's not very. Uh, uh, difficult to uh, imagine what could happen, and uh, and as you said, uh, you better have some uh, um, backup plan if something happened in this uh, area and or in that area because we we saw what happened uh, here in Europe when uh, when this war in Ukraine uh, happened and. Uh, and uh, uh, fundamental changes in changes in in, in uh, energy distribution and uh, and uh, sourcing and so so uh, uh, it is not very difficult to imagine something like that in in uh, in uh, in china or or some somewhere else so so we have to be prepared i i don't think we could uh, um, make uh, very big uh, moves uh, now in, in short time uh, uh, but uh, but we have to uh, do some some little steps and uh, and see what what uh, do we have what uh, 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 opportunities do we have? Uh, it's it's uh, well. I, I I can't. I don't know what to say. But um, uh, I I certainly will uh, uh, advise this to to my uh, clients. But for example, we have uh, Elon Musk that uh, 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 introduced new factory in in China. So. Uh, somebody would say, "Well, <laughs> if uh, Elon Musk goes to China, so what? What will happen? It, it will yeah. not." Well, be... he's he's the same guy who's who paid forty four forty four billion dollars for Twitter, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but uh, uh, well, uh, so uh, also 
Uh, he doesn't always get it right. <laughs> there are there are some big companies in uh, from from Germany that are building uh, uh, mega factories in China. So yeah. so well, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I think that I mean there's a conundrum between like the costs that we're used to and the and them thinking that they'll just deal with it when it's necessary. But that's not. It's going to be too late when it's necessary. Yeah, yeah. So it's but, it's a but, conundrum. But I, I agree. Uh, maybe it would be uh, uh, wiser if they. Uh, okay, we know in Europe uh, there is no. Uh, uh enough uh, workers to 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 work in in these mega factories but maybe in uh, india or some somewhere else uh uh would be wiser to <laughs> to build so. yeah. i guess i guess i guess often these um investments the consideration started three or four years ago and it's difficult to change them once they've yeah. gathered gathered yeah. momentum but I guess you know here. Here we are, um, beaten, by, beaten beaten by the clock again. I'm afraid. So I have to say thank you to uh, to Lisa, to Antonio, to Karen, and thanks also to our listeners for tuning in again today. And be aware that if you enjoyed this episode, you can find the full series of over 120 episodes of Interlinks on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, and other major podcast platforms. So until next time, keep well and stay safe.